The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. the galaxy that hasn't been visited in a very long time it's the biggest little show this side of the alpha quadrant and the flagship of the trek geeks podcast network greetings to you listeners all over the four quadrants and welcome to the trek geeks podcast i'm your co-host bill smith thank you so much for joining us thank you for being a part of what we do uh we're back it's 2022 we got plenty of star trek and stuff to talk about and of course by we i do mean my illustrious co-host he joins me now for this 275th episode of the Trek Geeks podcast as we celebrate our seventh anniversary. Um, he is the the lovable Dan Davidson. Hi, Dan. <laughs> we are back. You sounded like Johnny Carson there a little bit. I liked it. Nice Thank job. You. We are uh, back. It, it, it's great to be here, man. It has been a long time um, since we sat down here to record Trek Geeks, and uh, we'll get into the reasons why in a minute. But I got to say, I'm, I'm very excited to be able to 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 sit here with you again and and talk Star Trek and 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 whatever else comes up in the conversation. Uh, it's been a little over a month since our last episode, and um, it, it's great to be sitting in the chair with these headphones on. And I even got to say, it's great to be looking at your lovely face here on my computer screen. So it's good to be back. It's a, it's been a hot minute, huh? <laughs> it sure has. Absolutely. But it's not like I haven't talked to you because, you know, we've produced a live stream. Right. Um, <laughs> it's always different, though, here at Trek Geek. So it's always special. It is. Yeah. So. It is. Buddy, seven years yeah. have gone by since we released the Hostage Tape, episode one. Also known as Meet the Geeks for anyone who actually has listened to it. That's a podcast. Um, but uh, it's hard to believe that we are have come so far. And, and now, I mean, today, here we are seven years later talking to really somebody who is uh, a modern day star trek icon Un- unbelievable um i never would have imagined it uh eight, eight years seven years five years ago seven weeks ago seven weeks ago absolutely i mean it's just been it's been an amazing ride man i still i still can't believe it's been seven years i mean i remember 
from recording in Yarmouth uh, on, in the loft at our house to recording in the closet of my bedroom when we were getting ready to move from Yarmouth <laughs> to yep. down here, and then recording in my sister's basement a couple of times when we were getting the house built here in Merrimack. It's been an awesome ride, and I've loved every single minute of it. Uh, but I got to say, with the live stream that we had uh, a, a couple of weeks ago that we're, we're going to be talking about, being able to talk to the person that we are going to be talking with uh, on the podcast here from the live stream, never in a in a million years would have thought it would happen. Right up to the point where only a few days before the live stream, we didn't know this was going to happen, and all of a sudden, boom, we get an email, and Jerry Ryan joins us for the live stream. And up until the point where we were about to do that segment of the show. I wasn't sure if she was going to actually log in and you sent me a message. Jerry's in the waiting room and I almost passed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what you're going to hear today is audio from the Trek Talks uh, telethon to benefit the Hollywood Food Coalition, which occurred Saturday, January 15th. Jerry was the last panel of the night and it was, we were so grateful uh, to have her join us. It's a, it's a fun conversation. We have a lot of laughs. Um, Jerry is, is wonderful and she agreed to do this uh, as soon as, David Livingston was able to get in touch with her. Um, we're grateful for her and everybody else that participated mm. in Trek Talk Stand. And after our conversation with Jerry, we're going to have a special wrap up with a, a certain someone who's, uh, who's, I think, becoming a fixture in our lives. Yeah. Uh, is that good or bad? Uh, I'll say it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's <laughs> no, good. I'm just kidding. John Billingsley has become a wonderful friend through this entire thing. When we first talked to him uh, to come on the podcast and thought up this crazy idea for the live stream, um, up through the entire planning and through the event itself, he has been wonderful. The passion that he has for Hollywood Food Coalition is infectious, and and he wears it on his sleeve like no one else. Um, and I think knowing that we've been able to raise over $75,000 for this organization based on just this event is something that he is deeply proud of as we are. And so we're going to have a little conversation to wrap up the whole event as we gear to plan for part two next January. <laughs> you know, as we were going through this and we're going through the ransomware attack at work, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, you and I were, were operating on fumes. Yeah. Literally. Uh-huh. Um, there were many days where you know, I would work a 10 to 12 hour day. Well, we may as well talk about it now. Sure. I'd work a, a 10 to 14 hour day and then go right into producing stuff for the telethon and then maybe get a few hours of sleep and go right back to work. Uh -huh. um, and it was, it, it's, it's not been a great time professionally. Right. Um, for either of us. Right. Um, you know, we, we both work for the same company as many listeners know, and, and we were hit with a ransomware attack uh, in mid-December um, and it affected the part of the organization that we work for. I mean, it's a huge yeah, it organization did. and there's a lot of other things. The company's fine, uh, but this one area that we work in got hit and uh, it has been nonstop um, with the recovery process. It's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of, uh, a lot of stress, a lot of hours. Um, and in addition to that, it's one thing to just to do the, the podcast every week or every two weeks, but 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 putting together this gigantic event of over fifty five people to join us in a in a live stream telethon and get all the technical stuff down. Thank you so much, Earl. Um, was was an event in itself, and the fact that we were able to get it done. And I and I'm going to say this: I've said it before, man, and I'm not blowing smoke. You did monumental amounts of work 
Um, I did some when I could, but you were constantly working on it. So I got to give you all the props in the world because you always seem to be right on top of everything, much more so than me. Um, so thank you very much. So uh, do you yeah. remember what I told you when we decided we were doing a telethon? I, I'm sure I'm going to remember as soon as you say it. Here's the quote. I don't have the bandwidth to produce a telethon. Yes, that's correct. And, and then, somehow and then the ransomware we hit. <laughs> yeah. And I um, had even less bandwidth. Yeah. You know, we have to give huge props, um, not just to Earl, but also, you know, John Champion, he and Earl Green, uh, you know, representing Roddenberry Podcasts were instrumental in the co-production right. of this telethon because it started as, as our kind of gig and our idea. And we quickly realized we need, we need more people. We need help. And we went to two of the best there are, our dear friend, John Champion, and he brought on Earl Green and- um, it just, it was, it was a flawless, flawlessly executed evening. It really was. It really was. And, and like you said, yeah, we brought in the people that, uh, the best people, uh, John is fantastic. We've been friends with him for so long and, and meeting Earl and getting to know him and his technical wizardry was unbelievable. Um, it's hard to believe, and I don't want to, I'm not downplaying his work at all. It's hard to believe that one person did all of that that people saw on screen. He, it was Absolutely. flawless. Every single thing that we saw did not have a problem at all. And then, of course, we uh, we had John Billingsley, of course, and David Livingston, who were instrumental in getting us the names of the people that we could reach out to to invite to come to this thing. Um, Jay Stoby was was extremely important in that as well as also getting together the the way to give things away during the live stream. Everything just worked so amazingly. And the thing that still blows me away is John Billingsley said, you know, these are Hollywood muckety mucks with air quotes. So you can expect 25% of these people that said they're going to make it not show up for whatever reason. They have a gig, they forget, whatever. 100% of the people that said that they would be there were there. And that just shows A, that they care about the um, reason that we were doing this. They prove what Star Trek is all about and they believe in those core values of Trektivism. Yeah, they really do. And we're going to talk more about that with John a little bit later on. Um, but, uh, wow, I, I almost forget how to do this. I think now we, we talk about some, some, some great sponsors. Oh, okay. Okay, let's do that. All right, let's do it. Yeah, Dan, it's been a hot minute since we've talked about how awesome Fansets is. And since we last talked about them, they have simply continued to prove it with more amazing new releases. Yeah, amazing and awesome, man. Uh, great releases over the course of the last few weeks. We hope you all were able to get that awesome 2021 holiday pin of the USS Discovery coming through a Christmas wreath. And now you can add all of the following to your awesome collection. Dr. Jillian Taylor from Star Trek IV and Yeoman Janice Rand are the newest entries in the wonderful Women of Trek collection. Uh, you can also get the Star Trek Discovery logo pin, the Uhura slash Nichelle Nichols farewell pin, and a couple of my favorites from Deep Space Nine, Wayoon is finally available, as is Lita, and me. 
No, I'm sorry. I mean Galt from Gamesters of Triskelion. That is also available. It's fantastic. And you can get them all right now at fansets.com. And Bill, I have a special announcement. Moments before we started recording, Fansets made an announcement on their social media pages. Available today for the first time at fansets.com. You can show your love for the Empire with the Klingon Empire logo, both pin and magnet. And it's available right now. And it's glorious. Your face is glorious. I know that. So everyone, I mean, you know what I'm going to say by now. It may have been a little while since you've heard it, but you know it by heart. Head on over to fansets.com, put all those pins that Dan just mentioned, and a whole bunch of other pins, and then more pins, and then accessories in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word, JERRY. That's J-E-R-I in all capital letters for 10% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until February 9th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't forget that when you spend more than $30 on fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Hey, Bill. You know, uh, uh, (laughs) Valentine's Day is coming up quick and love is definitely in the air. What better gift for the one you love than the galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division? Right now at ScienceDIV.com, they're offering special Valentine's Day packaging. Just select it from the drop-down menu when, you're add, when you add a triple to your cart, and that furry little monster will come wrapped in colorful tissue paper and arrive with a free pixel art pin. And the best part, this special packaging can totally be combined with other offers. Yeah, like this one. If you order a triple of any size at ScienceDIV.com before February 14th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, use code 7 to get a special $10 off just for Trek Geeks listeners. And you'll get that 10 bucks off, not because Science Division is awesome, because they are, but you'll get it oh, no. because, oh, no. wait for it, yes. Uh, please, no. Triples are not dangerous, Bill. Uh, yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, that's code S-E-V-E-N in all capital letters. That'll get you 10 bucks off. I didn't put that in the copy, so I should probably say it. Yeah, because that's- Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. And we're back. And who'd have thought, Dan, that here we are at the end of the night. And uh, and we saved a little something special for this hour because we're going to kind of do seven at seven. <laughs> that's that's oh, funny. I like that. Nice. I like that. That's nice. very good. Yeah. Good. You know, we've had a, an absolutely remarkable day. Um, sure. and it, it, it only makes sense that we we end this wonderful telethon of Trek Talks with having what we're calling top billing. It's, 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 we're calling you top bill and Jerry. I got to say it, it's Jerry Ryan. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, thank, thank you for you. being here. Um, Bill, I don't want to steal your thunder. So I'll let you ask the question that you always like to ask our guests. 
<laughs> the first question we've asked Jerry in these weirdest of times, how are you? How's your family? Is everybody safe? Everybody healthy? How are y'all doing? Thank you. Yes. We thank God are all safe and well. Um, this is nuts. <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our show is currently shut down right now for a week. Right. 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 It's, uh, it's yeah, it's crazy. There are a lot of a lot of cases of COVID going around, and we're just being incredibly careful. Um, we're back to sort of the way we were when the pandemic began, um, sort of distancing and keeping doors and windows open, and not really socializing, not really going anywhere. <laughs> so, um, Does you know, that make it? Stay safe. Does that make it hard to to shoot a show like that? I mean, obviously, I mean, these characters have these interpersonal relationships, but I mean, I have to believe that some of the experience is bonding with your fellow actors between scenes. Yeah, um, does I mean, that make it much more distant? I mean, we're not we're physically on set together, so sure. you know, we're the way that our show shoots and the way the studio and the the stages are set up. We're far away from our trailer, so it's not like. You know, in a lot of shows, you shoot your seat and then you go to your trailer and you wait for the next shot or whatever. We stay on set. So we're together anyway, um, just with masks. But it's scary. It's really, really scary because, you know, while the rest of the crew has to keep their masks on, we don't have a choice. We have to take ours off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's been a scary. Well, we we certainly hope that you remain safe um, and that things can somehow get back to normal at some point. Um, First, first question I have for you, Jerry, is, is it's been, it's been 20 years now since Voyager's finale. Uh, Finale was in 2001. So now we're looking at 20 years later. Did you ever imagine, and this has probably been something that's been asked you a hundred times. Did you ever imagine when you finished Voyager and seven, that 20 years later, you would be invited back into the family to reprise your role that so many people fell in love with you with 20 years ago. Never in a million years, never in a million years would I have thought that I'd be playing seven again. Um, And she's been such a delightful surprise. One of the things that I remember is, is the first time that we saw a trailer for Picard. I was actually at a friend's, uh, summer place on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. And the, um, the trailer was played at, I, I think it was a Comic-Con. And as soon as it was played, um, we got a, a phone call from somebody and they, they played on their phone for us, the recording of the crowd during the screener and the amount of screaming that took place when you were seen on that screen for the first time was, was like nothing I had, I had ever heard. It, it was amazing. And what was it like for you when you were first contacted about the idea of, of having seven return and what her character was going to be like during that first season. Well, when it was first brought up to me, I kind of thought it was a joke because it was um, a dear friend of mine who was originally one of the showrunners. And then he ended up leaving before we started shooting, but um, he stopped and he knows me very well. So he knew that the appropriate time to broach the topic would be at the Hollywood Bowl after a few glasses of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) That's when he first brought it up. And I laughed and thought it was, you know, a joke. And he said, no, no, I'm I'm serious. I really want to bring seven back. Um, And every time I would see him, so he would sort of bring it up again for the next six or eight months or something like that. And then I didn't really think anything of it until I was at, I think it was the, um, 
I think it was the Emmys or something presenting a special award to Star Trek for their 50th mm-hmm. whatever anniversary. And so a couple actors from all the different shows were there. And I was standing behind Alex Kurtzman getting ready to go on stage. And he turned around and said, oh, so we've been talking a lot about Seven in the writer's room. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> right. so, yes, it's real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it was scary. It was scary as hell. Um, because I, you know, that's a lot of time that's passed. Mm-hmm. And she's been through a lot. And yes. so trying to figure out who this character is, because she was so specific for those four years, mm-hmm. yeah. um, having been raised as a Borg and, and only having those four years of, of sort of developing her humanity. And, and mm-hmm. um, so to cut, you know, 20 years later was scary just to, to, cause I wanted to make sure that we were true to the character. I wanted her to, um, she obviously had to be incredibly different because she's, you know, mm-hmm. been human now for 20 years. And dealing with um, the way not only humanity, but other species relate to her because she's visibly still part Borg. Um, and so that's had an effect on her. Um, but it was really, really important to me that as different as she is, that the fans still felt seven and could see still see glimpses of seven mm-hmm. um and so i was really 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 thrilled uh to hear the fan reaction after the first appearance at seven when she beams into the ship mm-hmm. and everybody on twitter was talking about the little head tilt oh my god there she is <laughs> <laughs> so that that made me feel like okay I think this is gonna work it it had to be a very interesting experience to go from Voyager, which I'm sure was a very different set than Picard, um, most notably because, I mean, well, you, you've you got Patrick Stewart there now. Um, I, I don't, obviously, I'm not an actor. I'm a systems engineer by day. But I have to imagine that anybody getting a chance to work with Patrick Stewart might be a little intimidated at first. Is that possible? I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I wasn't intimidated. I mean, I was happy to, I was thrilled to work with him. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's a, he's an easygoing just guy. So we kind of hung out and chatted and Jonathan Frakes. Okay. That's probably oh. what helped. Jonathan Frakes was directing <laughs> that episode as well. So Frakes, he was on set and I, Frakes is one of my favorite human beings on the entire planet. Um, and so the fact that he was there and, you know, the love that they have for each other and the love that Frakesy and I have for each other and that comfort level. And I knew that I was in good hands. Um, couldn't be in better hands. Um, Let me ask you, did you just say Frakesy? Yes. I'm, I'm just going to write that down for the next time yeah. I talk to him. Hold on one second. Mental note made there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's going to be in an email. You may never forget that. Yeah. 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 Let me, let me ask you, Jerry. Jonathan. I'm so used to yeah. calling Frakesy. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. <clears throat> of course, we've seen her in season one. Um, we will see her in season two, but we're not going to go there. How much input do you, as the person who plays Seven, how much input do you have with the writers into her her backstory of what we've seen so far and what she has become over that space of time that we didn't see her after the finale of Voyager? Um. 
I mean, the, the writers have been very open. I'm not, I'm not a writer. I don't pretend mm-hmm. to be a writer. I'm not the actor who goes in there and, oh, I'm going to pitch this story for my character. That's never, that's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, we have writers who are trained to do this and this is their profession and they're good at it. And I let them do it. I give my thoughts if there's something that I don't agree with or that I have a problem with or have questions about. And they were very, very, um, very generous with their time um, in the beginning to sort of talk me through stuff and and uh, any questions I had and fill me in on what her story had been, which I love. I love all of the details of what mm-hmm. she's gone through and her strength and her resilience um, and how all of that has has, you know, made her who she is and who she's continuing to become. It's it's really exciting to see the development. It's rare that we get the kind of opportunities that we've we've gotten with Star Trek Picard to visit revisit these characters now yeah. years on down the road because I mean, we're used to characters growing over an arc over somewhere between 4 and 7 seasons depending on the series. Right. And now to sort of get this you know, this re- resumption after a long pause is really kind of amazing because I, I think it just further displays the humanity of these people. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It, as a viewer, it's just, it's, uh, I love it. I think Picard season one was probably one of my favorite seasons of Star Trek simply just because of the, the human growth. Um, and you know, this is all about the human adventure, right? So yeah. And what's cool about it. that's different, I think, which, which took a lot of people, I think a bit of getting used to because Star Trek traditionally was a network show. Um, so it's episodic and you have to wrap it up neatly. You can do a two-parter, but basically the story, the character arc in that story ties itself up at the end of each episode. Um, because that's just the nature of episodic television and syndication and things like that. They need to be able to just have freestanding episodes that they can show because we're streaming and because it's only a 10 episode season, it's a very different way of storytelling so basically it's one giant long episode for the season so our character's story continues it doesn't wrap up neatly every episode it develops until the end and that's the character arc for the story and and that's something that i actually was gonna was gonna ask you so excellent segue 20 years ago episodic television versus today 10 episode arc which do you like better when you, if you were to compare them, which is, which is more your, your thing that you like to do? Um, I mean, there's good things and bad things about both. I like, you know, I like different aspects of both the yeah. schedule, the money's better on 26 episodes. Um, but I don't, I mean, it, it's fun to tell a whole story each week, but I really like this, the chance to make it a big, long through line throughout mm-hmm. the season. I really think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's the first time I've gotten to do that. Speaking of big, long through lines, I'm going to skip away from Star Trek a little bit to another show that Dan and I are quite fond of, and that's Bosch. Yes. Um, yes. I loved your season of Bosch. Mm-hmm. Thank uh, you. Veronica so Allen. It's, it's such a well-told story every season. Of course, Titus Welliver is amazing. Uh, of course, you worked with him before on Voyager. Voyager yeah. uh, it must have been kind of nice to kind of get back to working in scenes with him now years later. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And he's such a brilliant actor. And I was so, so thrilled for him 
when this role came up for him because he's just he's just so good and he's so perfect in the role he is one of the one of the things that that i love to do as a fan of star trek for so many years is when i'm watching a show and i'll see some i'll see someone and i'm like oh he was an episode blah 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 or she was an episode blah 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 and it drives my wife nuts but (laughs) to the, the reaction of when you don't have a guest star from star trek that you see on another show you have a star so when you showed, I had no idea you were going to be in season two of Bosch. It was it was something we came on to Bosch, um, you know, by accident. Actually, I think Bill mentioned it, so we watched season one. And then right. when you came in on season two, I got to say, I'm not embarrassed to admit it. That was a fan fanboy moment for me. It was when, when Jerry Ryan shows up on Bosch, and I'm the biggest <laughs> Star Trek fan as I am, seeing you show up, and and I got to say, it's so weird. Might not be the right word to see someone who we're so used to playing a specific character a certain oh, yeah. way to see you the way you are in that. Yeah. You're not a nice person in that, in that season. <laughs> it's it's great. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm glad was, Bill brought that up because I wasn't character. sure if I was going to. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, um, it's you know, as as I think about the various things that you know that I've seen, you've had a chance to work with Frakes many times. I know you worked with him a couple of times on Leverage. Um, and, and simply just by calling him Frakes, you mentioned he's one of your favorite people in the world. He's one of our favorite people in the world. He was one of the first people to respond to doing this particular event. Aww. Um, we did a live stream with him almost, wow, it's coming up on two years ago now yeah. when COVID first started to raise money for Feeding America. And he agreed to do it with us without ever having met or talked to us before. He's I think amazing. one of the things that amazes me about Star Trek family is the fact that fandom and the people who work in in star trek are kind of wired with the sense that the needs of the many really do outweigh the needs of the one and it really is kind of remarkable um you you obviously do have done conventions in the past i think i saw you at vegas one year it was early on sunday morning and allegedly i might have been a little hungover um (laughs) i would never believe it you can't (laughs) prove that there were no there was no video um and I was always struck by the people asking you questions. And I think one guy asked you to verify that he had bought a costume that you wore on stage once, but, but by and large, Star Trek fans are kind. Yeah. And I think that's really what impresses me about today, about conventions. Um, Are you hoping to get back to conventions soon? Um, Is that the kind of thing that you think they're going to let you do as, you know, as Picard starts to to roll out season two? I mean, I gotta be yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, I'm not going to be rushing to get into huge crowds. Crowd sure, right. Sure. Soon. Um, because I'm scared. This has yeah. been, this is a lot. This is yeah. a lot. So I think a lot of things are going to change going forward. Um, because I don't think this is going to be the last pandemic, assuming we even get to an end of this one in the near future. Um, I think this is going to happen more and more. And so I think that the way we dealt with things, large crowds of people, things like that before, I don't know that I'll be comfortable going back to doing things exactly the same way mm-hmm. anymore. Sure. Like photo ops, which, you know, it was fun, you know, and you'd be put your arms around the guy and they hug you and they're so excited and it's so easy to make people happy. And, um, and they're so warm and so sweet. You know, you shake everybody's hand. I'm not going to be shaking hands. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know that I'm going to be face to face, cheek to cheek with 
people, hundreds and hundreds of people. I don't know that. I don't know. I mean, I don't see that happening in the near future, certainly. Um, I would love to, to say that we can get back to that at some point, but right. I don't think it's going to be soon. Uh, I got to say, Jerry, listening to you talk about that, uh, you know, watching news and, and shows and everything, hearing you talk about how serious you believe this is, which I believe 100% with you, as does Bill. To be able to hear someone talk about that and really be honest about it like this is really a breath of fresh air because of yeah. all of the crap that's out there playing it down. Yeah. So hearing yeah. from someone like you um, who has such a huge fan base, it's great to be able to get that out there, that it is a very, very serious thing um, yeah. and that people have to be careful and that our life is going to be different moving forward. Um, well, everybody so, keeps so, talking about like, it's get back to normal, get back to normal. Normal didn't work. Right. Okay. And now right. look where we are. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so you've got, we have to be smart and we have to be considerate and we have to not just think about ourselves and what's easy and what's fun and our, my freedom and blah, blah, blah. We got to be responsible and be an actual citizen mm-hmm. of the world and take care of each other while you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones. I mean, it's, it's not that hard. But we have to do it and people have to agree to do it. Get your freaking vaccine. Get your booster. No, it's not going to prevent you from catching this now because too many damn people let it spread and won't take care of it. But it's keeping people out of the hospital and it's keeping people from dying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So absolutely do it. Wear a mask. It's not that hard. It's not that big an imposition. Surgeons do it for 14 hour surgeries. You <laughs> know. They can breathe. They're not dying. They're not suffocating. They're not getting carbon monoxide poisoning. That's why the masks are developed. Just do it. Be considerate. Be smart. Let's get through this. Anyway, sorry. That was my soapbox. I know. Awesome. No, great soapbox. It's very frustrating because <laughs> I miss seeing people. Yeah. You know, I want to see you. And like I mentioned, like we're talking about, you know, I have to be able to see fans and hug fans and shake people's hands. But I can't now. And I don't know when I will feel safe doing that because I don't know who's taking precautions. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a different world for sure. Absolutely. It's amazing. Dan and I were just talking the other day that it was two years ago this past week, we were in LA for the Picard premiere. Oh Um, my God. Yeah. That's right. The red carpet. And you walked just right on bias, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like Jerry. Oh, okay. Oh, so there she goes. Oh, no, I'm sorry, kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But no, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's this, yeah, I, I would love for things to get back to normal. I've been working from home for two years. And as much as I don't mind working from home because my wife works right behind me. Oh, that's so um, cool. It, it would be nice to to be able to to do things again mm-hmm. someday. And I think that's the most frustrating part. We were supposed to go to Star Trek Las Vegas this past summer, Dan and I. As, as oh, was I. <laughs> yeah. And, and London and, and Germany. Yeah, yeah. And like there were, I think, six conventions in the last year that. Yeah. And, okay. and ultimately we canceled. I know there's a cruise coming up and um, I'm not booked on that. Oh Let me tell you that. I don't know if I'll ever take a cruise again because they're floating Same. Petri dishes. I just. Yeah. I just it's, well, it's, that's it's, what it's I thought we're going with. And it, yeah. 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 Um, so, so Jerry, I'm going to ask you a question, which has probably been asked a hundred times, but since this is the first time talking, it's going to be the first question for, for us. <laughs> so, so of course you are legendary in your role as seven. Absolutely. Four years of great episodes. 
as a person who was on the show and working those ungodly hours that we hear were, were the case back then, do you have something that stands out in your mind as your favorite moment of being seven of nine in Star Trek universe back then, not for Picard? Um, I mean, I, I mean, there are, you know, there are acting moments where you, you read a script and, you know, there's a scene that's just beautiful and mm-hmm. think little character nuances that are really beautiful, but um, really, and there's not one specific moment that I can point to, but it's a number of sort of fan interactions, mm-hmm. especially toward the beginning when the character was new. Yeah. Um, and meeting people and just seeing how, moved they were to 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 meet me and to see you know the person who plays the character in person and and I get it because I have no cool I have no cool when I'm a fangirl I cry <laughs> oh I'm a mess like Sydney Poitier who God bless yeah me, yeah was one of the reasons I became an actor oh wow side, this is a side story sorry no go and right ahead one year, oh, I was I was presenting because I was on a show playing a teacher. It was on a show called Boston Public. And so I was presenting at the Milken Foundation Teacher Awards. And I'm at the dinner and I sit down at my table and I'm getting ready. They're getting ready to serve dinner. And I look up and Sidney Poitier is sitting across the table from me. And I started hyperventilating. And I'm like face down on my plate. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Okay. And then I sort of psyched myself up and said, you are not going to be a coward you're going to go over there and you're going to be an adult and you were going to tell him what an honor it is to meet him and how much he and I got up my courage and I walked around the table and I said he took my hand and I said Mr. Porty I just want to tell you that you're the reason I became an actor and I love you so much like ugly crying <laughs> ugly crying sobbing and he could not have been more gracious and more lovely. And he you know, took my hand in both of his and he said, and it is a pleasure to meet you. Oh. And that is just on the basis of your work, which of course is bullshit. He had no idea who I was. <laughs> but just, he couldn't have been lovelier. And then we had to go out after the awards. Now that I'm like tear stained and a mess <laughs> and take pictures with the winners. And he came around and like uh, put his hand on my back and ushered me out. He was just amazing. Oh, so cool. I get it. You know, I get it when people get, emotional and, and worked up. And it's, it's very, it's just, it's great being able to see people and touch people. And, and um, it's so easy. We're lucky. Those of us who are in this sort of job and universe and everything, because it's so easy to make someone happy. It's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's very gratifying to see people's reactions and to meet them. So it, hopefully re- we can get back to it again. It's really nice to hear that because I'm going to go on a side, a little side story about that, that, that you did, you, you built yourself up to go to meet someone like that. One of the things that I've told Bill that I'm always sorry I did not do is at a, con- at a convention, which we're there to meet you guys Yeah. is, is I always wanted to go and talk to Aaron Eisenberg. And mm-hmm. I always wanted to go up and talk to Renee Oberschenwan. And I never did because I didn't want, because whenever they went up near the table, it looked like they were busy. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to get, you know, I'll, I'll get their autograph. I'll talk to them later. And now look where we are. We can't, we can't do that now. So for those people who are listening that are at conventions and you want to say hi to that person. That's why we're there. So <laughs> we're there to Absolutely. see you guys. Yep. You. you did it with Sydney Poitier. Who, oh my God, Sydney Poitier. Exactly. So yes, we can definitely do that. Well, I can do it. You can do it. 
Absolutely. <laughs> well, the takeaway here is, Jerry, at some point you're going to have to deal with the two of us at a convention <laughs> and you may regret those words. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, because we're, we're an acquired taste. <laughs> so, so I have a random question for you. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people have seen some some time at home during this pandemic. My wife and I, I think, uh, are on a continual rewatch of The Office and have been for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Let's say you got the day off. Let's say you're going to Netflix and chill. What are you queuing up? Um, we're probably on the third time through of Shit's Creek. Nice. My family loves that show with a burning passion. My daughter sits beside us every episode and just recites every single one. <laughs> she has all of them memorized. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Just brilliant. The most brilliant performances. I've, I've started watching it. I haven't gotten very far in it. Um, well, what's but, funny, but, sorry, but the, my husband and I, because everybody had been talking about Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek, we came to it kind of late. And so I one night started to watch it and I got like an episode and a half. And I was like, this is, I can't watch this. I turned it off. My husband, like a month later, somebody else was talking about it again. So you really need to watch this. He did the same thing. He got like an episode and a half, turned it off. And then more people were talking about it. And they said, no, you just got to, because you're going to love these characters. I was like, I don't like these unlikable people. And I don't want to watch that. And I said, no, but they grow. and They're wonderful, blah, blah, blah. So we said, all right, let's just try it. We had both turned it off at the exact same scene. Oh, Isn't that bizarre? That's that crazy. Very bizarre. Yep. Yeah. And Absolutely. then as soon as we got past that scene, then we were like, oh, my God, this is genius. <laughs> what episode was that? Because that might be where I am, which is why I haven't picked it up two. yet. Okay. Something <laughs> about the I'm doors right and something like some door. I don't remember yep. what it was. But okay. and then all of a sudden you get past that and it's just they're brilliant. <laughs> Hi John Billings. Say I can see you. Know. Oh God. Hi John. I just I know. This is what the Nobulans do. We show up at the party late in the game, we drink all the food, <laughs> all the food and then we split. Um, it's so nice to see you. Thank you so nice much. For doing you. Thank you guys for doing this. Uh, and everybody, please, 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 please donate if you haven't yet. Oh, yes. And that's why I'm here. I'm here because we've got, we're going to wrap up after Jerry. We are $1,000 away from hitting $30,000. Rod Roddenberry, for those of you who weren't watching, was going to match up to $30,000. Wow. We can get 1000 Yeah, we can get $1,000. Yes, sir. Let me tell you this. Hey, tell On me behalf that. of Trek Geeks, Bill and I are donating $1,000. You just made it, man. You just made it. We made it. Rod, <laughs> if you're listening, you may have thought, ah, they're not going to call me in this. <laughs> well, we made it. Oh, you and, guys. Yay. And I don't know, Jerry, Absolutely. this is the thing that's been so cool. When we said, hey, let's start asking people who want to do this. Nobody said no. We thought we we're going to get a few people. And in fact, we ended up like going from a two hour event to a four hour event to a six hour event to an eight hour event. At a certain point, we said, we have to stop asking people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been really thrilling for all of, uh, I think, Star Trek fans and actors and producers and behind the scenes folk to come together today and get to say hi and get to celebrate not just the Hollywood Food Coalition, but all of the incredible work that so many of us are doing in our own ways in the community. Um, we'll wrap up. And I just, I adore you, Jerry Ryan. I really adore do. you back. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So, Bill, here we are. Boy, it's been a, it's been over a week since a fantastic Trek Talks uh, has it, live stream. Has it only been a week? It's only been a week and a few days, my man. It's unbelievable. 
it, wow. it's, it's it seems like a long time ago. Maybe that's because yeah. of all the planning and, and everything, but it was awesome. We had a great time. And it, it seems only fitting that we bring our good friend John Billingsley back over to the uh, podcast to to talk about everything, to wrap things up, to talk about what a huge success it was. Of course, John is the president of the board of directors for the Hollywood Food Coalition. And John, I know that you are just so happy for not only the turnout of the people that uh, showed up to be on panels, but for overall the amount of money that that fans and and watchers contributed to the event. So many wonderful success stories. I really don't know where to begin. As you mentioned during the event, we had 100% participation from the guests who said they would come, which is unheard of. We had a terrific response from the fans. We generated a lot of buzz, a lot of revenue. Rod Roddenberry's extraordinary matching gift, along with some other people's, got us up to the point now where we're looking at $75,000 and possibly more insofar as it lives on YouTube so that people can still see it and still contribute. And I think a universal desire to have us do it again, which um, blows my mind from this little kind of whimsical conversation we had months ago in which we said, well, maybe we could do a telethon. <laughs> yeah, if we'd only known then what we know now. Um no. Would we have run for the hills? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. No, no. I, I think it's amazing how quickly it took shape um, and how quickly we were able to to really get it going on. Because, I mean, we really only took a couple of months. And usually for an event like this, it, it takes a lot more planning and time. And I think it I'm does, still amazed we pulled it off. It's really interesting because, you know, on our uh, development committee for the uh, Hollywood Food Coalition, one of the questions was asked yesterday, said, well, how much money did you spend? And I said, well, we you know a little bit of money because, uh, you know, we wanted to work with a, a great tech guy. So Earl, we, we paid Earl a bit. But other than that, it didn't cost any money. Yeah. And when you think about what what boggles sometimes and confuses and puzzles and troubles uh, not-for-profits, it's how do we do event-driven fundraising? So while we put a lot of work in, from a development committee's perspective and from our not-for-profit's perspective, this was an extraordinary event in, in, in some respects because it didn't cost us, us anything by way of man hours or money. That's because you guys and the various other people who came forward and helped put it on, but it's also the difference between a digital event and an event event. Right, right. We didn't have to hire a place. We didn't have to get caterers. We didn't have to worry about entertainers. You know, we didn't have to. This format worked so well from our perspective. That's one of the reasons we want to do it again. I think that's one of the reasons why um, you can take a positive spin, if you ever can, on what's going on with this pandemic. Because of the pandemic, this was all virtual. And this allowed us to do it in ways, like you said, it would have cost a lot of money to do things all in person. And I think that because it of would the be, pandemic- it would, been, it would have been impossible. It would have been, you know, there's no way you can get all the talent assembled. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's just, you know, there's no, yeah, there's no yep. way. And and I think that also contributed to the fact that we had such a great turnout with all the guests. And, and you said it a minute ago, John, and I want to make a, a special uh, uh, mention of it here. Earl was the MVP of this event. Um, his technical expertise in order to make this thing look flawless when we were live yeah. was outstanding. We didn't have one dropped call. We didn't have any issues um, that that stood out at all. And that was because he was behind the scenes doing what he does. And he was absolutely magnificent. And I know Bill agrees with me. Um, this is one of the rare occasions where I agree with you. Yes. Yeah, I think we can yeah. be pretty unanimous on this. 
you know, it's it's tough to pull off any kind of virtual event. I mean, when we did our individual live stream with with Frakes, you know, there was any one of a number of things that could have gone wrong, and and some of them did before the live stream. But the, it's like you said, the, the near flawless execution of this really made it such su- such an easy time for just doing it live. Um, and I, 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 I there, one of the things that really actually touched me the most was it because several uh, fans commented on this, uh, said in effect. I don't, I'm not going to get a chance to go to a convention. Uh, they're they're expensive, you know. I may not be in the greatest health. There are a lot of reasons why conventions are not really in everybody's, you know, future. For fans, I think, regardless of whether they contributed to the Hollywood Food Coalition, although if you didn't contribute to the Hollywood Food Coalition, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> regardless, um, it was really, I think, lovely for for fans to have an opportunity to kind of, you know, come close to the experience of attending a convention. Right. And I think one of the things that I was very proud of was the fact that I think we really kind of replicated as, as best we can, not only the convention experience, but we kind of maybe blew that up a little bit by having the kinds of guests that don't normally necessarily get invited to it. it, it panels. Right. I mean, I love the European space agency panel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I loved all the different behind the scenes folks, all the different ways we kind of looked at the construction of Star Trek from the composers, the stunt guys, the props and the sets and the design component. I mean, I thought it was a really kind of a, you know, view of the universe of Star Trek, which I really appreciated. And I, I got to say, I, I 100% agree with you, John. And actually, my wife, Susan, was downstairs watching on the on the television while we were streaming. And afterwards, when we were talking about how great it was, she said, you know, I'm not going to go to a Star Trek convention. She doesn't she doesn't do Star Trek conventions. She says, but this was great. It was like a convention, but it was much more personal for her mm-hmm. in that those people were right there. It's not like you've got thousands and thousands of people surrounding you. So you kind of feel like you're just one small person in the crowd. She actually felt that the people were talking to her. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the positive things. And I think a lot of other people felt the same way. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to agree with that. I think that that's also due in large part to the success of, of the moderators of the individual panels too. I think they all created conversations which were engaging, not just, you know, with the, the collected dais on the panel, but also with the viewers. Um, I, I had more than a, a number of comments during and after the event, you know, asking us if, if we were going to take questions in, in, in future iterations. And I, I think that's kind of a dual-edged sword. Yeah, you do see that at Star Trek conventions. But when you have a discussion that is that engaging, I almost don't want to interrupt the flow of it. Mm-hmm. with with questions from from social media does that make sense it does and you know actually since since this is sort of about in a way kind of letting folks who may have enjoyed it um know more about our plans i i would say i i do think that the team of people who put this together one i think we're going to be able to add to that team um noah auerbach Katz, i think mm-hmm. is interested in joining us we have another representative from our own organization hfc who might be interested in joining us Having the capacity to do this again, I know one of the things we turn to folks who saw it and say, well, what did you think? And right. what might you want to see change? And, you know, I mean, I, I think it went off what we wanted to do, we achieved. If there are other things that people are interested in seeing, I, you know, I'd like, love to hear suggestions. Um, and and I, that is one of the questions is, did we miss um, or did people miss having the opportunity to a- and ask questions? I think you're right, Bill. To me, it's like, I'm not sure that, you know, I missed that, but I'd be curious to hear people's responses. Anything else that people wanted to, you know, would like to see it different? I, I agree with you. I, I think that the thing that they would say by and large is that the last thing they want to see is Dan Davidson's face on a screen again. My goodness. Uh, 
but like, that's wow. just me. Wow. wow. Yeah, I, I don't think John's going to agree with that, but you know, he's my friend. Man, no, I, you know, I'm not putting you on the spot or anything. The appearance, <laughs> the appearance of comity. How uh, often have I had to say, Bill, the appearance of comity, even if behind the surface there's all this roiling, tempestuous anger, the appearance of comity. And it, losing the Patriots jacket. Those would be my two big notes, really. Did lose the Patriots jacket. Well, I don't hey. have mine. Bill has his. Yeah. Hey, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. You know, mm. it's I wear a sweatshirt pretty much all winter long because I get cold all the time. And today I didn't wear a Star Trek one. I decided to wear the Patriots. Mm-hmm. My other great love. All right. That's, Fair enough. As soon there as I go. have a sweatshirt that has Phil Flox on it. I'll wear that uh, and never ooh. take it off. Hey, how about Track Talks uh, uh, wardrobe appar- apparel? How about that? That's pretty cool. Swag. Yeah. Yeah. Tractivism. Tractivism. You, yes, you, absolutely. Yeah. That's talk a about, great idea. Talk about the swag you guys are helping to create. I love that. Well, it, it's pretty awesome. Of course, we had the Tractivism panel, which was probably one of the most successful panels of the day. Uh, we had some great people. It made us $30,000. I'd say yeah, it was definitely the most successful yeah. panel. And, and Kitty and Armin and Frakes and, and Noah. And it, it was really great talking about all these different things Chase, to yeah. to help. Yes, Chase. And, and so um, with our friend Jay Stobie's help, who was an integral part of the behind the scenes of, of this event, um, we came up with a definition for trectivism and we have made it a t-shirt so people can actually go to uh the trek geeks website and go to the store and they can see this um this it's it's not just a shirt you can get it in all kinds of things but it has a great definition definition of what trectivism trectivism actually is what is now you, now you can wear the swag bill what is, what is trectivism? trectivism oh no dan you brought it up you get to give the definition i don't I'm... have the definition <laughs> on right now and i haven't memorized it thanks for calling me Jeez, out <laughs> well that's the only reason why you threw me under the bus uh, and i understand this it's like yes. when uh you know like star trek guys are like um you know like... I, I i have it here for the very unprepared mr davidson thank you oh, i was vamping Attractive. It's actually Billingsley's fault because he brought it up. I did, I did it intentionally. <laughs> <to> mortify you. <laughs> yeah, it's bad enough he, he takes a panel away from us while we're on the panel, but now <laughs> oh, he's yeah. just hosting yeah. our show. Okay. Um, Attractivism noun: applying Star Trek's core values to foster a community and bring about positive social change. I mean, it it really doesn't get much simpler than that. It's very easy to understand, and it's a concept that we at Trek Geeks are going to start advocating pretty much for the rest of Trek geeks Um, because everybody I think on some level wants to do something or do more. And we want to help enable that uh, as a podcast and as a network, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really, it's really amazing, John. And and I don't say this just to blow smoke during this whole planning phase. I got to, I got to be involved in something that I haven't been involved in as much as I would like. And that's something like this is doing good. Um, sure. You know, I, my wife and I donate to, to stuff all through the year, but being really heavily involved in something really was a special moment for me. And I think that this um, whole idea of what we did and how we're going to go forward embodies what those cores of Star Trek are. And it, it really makes me happy to be involved in it. And I look forward to what the future brings for what we're going to do next. Huzzah. Huzzah! <laughs> and did we mention that all the proceeds of those wonderful items of apparel are going to go to the Hollywood Film Coalition? 
We did not. And they most certainly are because we figured that's one of the best ways we can try to help carry it all forward. In addition to, I mean, um, letting people know that, I mean, this, this eight hour long magnum opus of a telethon still exists on YouTube. You can watch it today, but more importantly, you can still donate to Trek Talks today at donate.trektalks.net. Your tax deductible donation can be taken in their secure portal this very moment if you haven't had the chance to do so already. And, and, you know, for what is worth and only because I, I want to also continually remind people that the organization they're contributing to um, has resonance beyond the Hollywood community. We're continuing to sit down at tables with all sorts of interesting people talking about ways that the nature of the structure and the system that helps to find food and allocate it to people in need n- needs thinking about Federal government does a lot with the SNAP program, food stamps, and variety of other federal resources. But as food trickles down, you know, level after level after level, you get to the local communities, and so much of the work on the ground has to happen there. How, how do we find ways on a local level to learn how to work together to better share food? And that's a lot of what the work is that we do. And it's why I think the organization that I support and work with has value above and beyond the fact that we're helping millions of people in the Los Angeles community. It's about learning shit that travels, learning how to do shit that travels to other communities. Not that other communities aren't doing amazing things already. And I, you know, for two guys from New Hampshire, we had, uh, I had people ask us, why, why are you doing this for, <laughs> for a charity in LA? It's like, valid question. Um, because there are people there that need help. And because this model can be used to learn from and be transplanted yeah. from other places. Yeah. And and that's one of the things I think, you know, as we, as we kind of keep this message going out into the Star Trek, Star Trek community, you know, particularly as, you know, affiliated with the Hollywood Food Coalition, it's like, what are the resources in your neighborhood? If this is a mission that appeals to you, if it's a, if it's a, a work that appeals to you, are there organizations in your community that are working to help alleviate hunger and poverty that you might want to get involved with? And in a way, what I kind of think the Hollywood Food Coalition is about, it's like, here's this flag, but the flag is bigger than the organization. The flag is about rally around people in need wherever you are, wherever yeah. you are. Yep, absolutely. And and I know that <clears throat> your passion for this, John, it, it is, it, it's just so strong. And it's, it's really been one of the things that I've liked to learn about you while we've been doing this over the last couple of months. I mean, we only met a few months ago when we had you on a guest the first time, and it has blossomed into this thing to watch what you do and the passion that you have for Hollywood Food Coalition. And, and Bill and I want to do things, you know, we've talked about different things that we can do to help. And, and, and you're absolutely right. It's, it comes down to such a ground level where the people have to do stuff to help, especially with food. I know that we've talked about when Mission Chicago comes up in April, we want to do something like, you know, people bring people go out and they buy a lot of stuff at conventions to snack on. And then the convention ends and they don't have anything to do with this food and they throw it away. We're going to ask people to bring that all to our booth because we're going to have a booth at Mission Chicago. And then we're going to do something. We're going to give it to a local uh, um, charity so that they can benefit from another um, act of trectivism at a convention in Chicago. And it's, it's what you do that made us think of doing something like that. So we got to give credit where credit's due, man. Well, it's sort of the nature of the community we we inhabit, which is you know what what is so moving about it. And I you know hope I wasn't sounding too corny at the end of the event when I was getting a little verklempt. I think I said um, because it really does matter to me greatly that the 
impulse that animates so many folks in Star Trek is to say, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And sometimes that, that question, what can I do, doesn't, doesn't necessarily percolate down into the doing because people feel like, oh, it's impossible. I'll never find a place that I could you know, be happy at. Right, I sometimes right. kind of think like, you know, the amazing aspect of the modern world, the Google, is that there are a shitload of organizations in your neighborhood that are doing amazing things. And it only takes 10 minutes to find them out. Yep. Now, and I guarantee that for everybody, everybody has a home in a vol- in a volunteer capacity somewhere in their community that will change their lives if they're not already doing it. And God knows many people are, you know. So we've talked a lot about raising money. We've talked a lot about online events. John, specifically for the Hollywood Food Coalition and for those folks in the greater Los Angeles area who may be listening to this very podcast, as they do, how might they start the road to volunteering for HOFOCO? Yeah. Uh, Easiest thing is to go to hofoco.org, hofoco.org. That's our website. And you can sign up for an available cooking slot, serving slot, or working in our warehouse, helping to cull, sort, and distribute food slot. Additionally, every Sunday, we also have what we call the sack lunch, for those of you who watch the show, sack lunch bonanza program. We help distribute around 4,000 multi-element sack lunches to homeless encampments all over the city. We could have, uh, we would happily, happily have you join that merry band of uh, volunteers. And then, you know, this is a little more, and I want to answer this specifically about the Hollywood Fruit Coalition. This is what interests me is I, I make this joke all the time. I, I volunteered and I made a fruit salad and now I'm the president of the board, but your passion takes you up ladders, you know, in life. And I think it's always interesting to me as people get involved in organizations, so much of what people don't see is you need administrative help to make organizations grow and thrive. Everybody needs to think about if they find an organization they love to ask harder questions of the people who lead it. Can I help in other ways? What would those ways be? Can I ask you about the things that you might need to kind of, you know, maybe you need help designing a website. Maybe you need, you know, look at what we got, what we did. You know, do you need help fundraising? Do you need help friend raising? Can I be a, can I be an ambassador for your program? Can I go out into the community and talk to service clubs and schools and try and get people aware of the work you're doing? All sorts of ways that people can give back. You know, some people, for them, that's not of interest. And I totally get that. There are people, I used to teach in prisons, and that's a fascinating thing teaching people, working with kids, you know, picking up litter on the beach. There are a bajillion things that you can do. I don't think we should ever hierarchalize those values and say it's more important to do X than Y. I think what's important is to know that there's a part of your life that should go towards service, a part of it, not all of it, but it's part of it, you know? Well, it's certainly been damn inspiring for us and and we intend and will do more Certainly not just in the avenues of Trek Talks, but in other avenues as well. Um, you know, it's- Gee, what you guys did was so huge. I mean, it's I, David and I have been talking about this a little bit for for the last couple of years. It's like, well, how, how do we how do we find ways to to kind of make inroads into the track community and start sharing the message and bringing people together? And you know, not just for our organization, but generally. And candidly, we hadn't met you yet. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, uh, you brought you brought up his name. I got the people that we worked with to prepare this thing. You, Dave Livingston, John Champion, 
uh, Jay Stoby, Earl, all of the people that work behind the scenes. I, I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for, especially you and David, because to be quite honest, John, we didn't have the 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 inroads to get these people to talk to. And one of the huge things that that both you and David did was provide us ways of getting to communicate with these people so we could well, tell that's them just about blackmail material. I mean, that. that's just knowing, you know, knowing shit about it's like, I mean, I mean, the stuff I have on Jonathan Frakes alone would fill the Frakesy. better half. <laughs> Frakes, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but is but that it, his it, now official nickname? By the way, it is for me. It you is know, for Jerry. Me. Jerry dropped that bomb during our our discussion, and I'll tell you what: the next time I email uh, Frakes for anything, I'm starting it out with "Hey, Frakesy." I'm going to okay. do that, and I'll probably never talk to him again. Okay, so we want we want him back. So yeah, we want him back. Be, yeah, be careful. I think be you careful. should go back to dear Mister Frakes, Mister Frakes, sir. <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably not a bad idea, but um, uh, the passion that both that, that everybody, but specifically that I saw John from you and David as being people that are involved in the organization, and Patrick and and all those people was really something. And it and and you're right, some people don't have that drive to do it, but then some people see that passion that people like you have, and then they want to do it. So I think that this is going to allow a lot of people who never thought that they would get involved in doing good will start doing good. And I think that's a credit to what you guys are doing. Oh, well, thanks. I, I, uh, I mean, that means a lot to me because that's certainly, I actually kind of started an organization five or so years ago, which didn't last because I sort of felt like it was too vague, but it was called push uh, people unwilling to sit on their haunches. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, and the gag at the time was like, how do we, how could we, whoever we might be, kind of collectively animate ourselves and others to identify <clears throat> uh, their volunteeristic bliss. I've now started working with a group called Hodge, which I'll give a shout out to called Hang Out Do Good, which is really similar to what the notion was behind Push. I like that. And because the folks who run it, Jennifer and Helen, do a great job at communicating with their people all the time, all the time, all the time. And they're, they're you know, Theirs is more politically bent, and I'm very political, but, you know, I, I kind of gravitated towards social service because I think it's a better use of me. But um, along with their, their political actions, they also take social service actions. And th they're, to me, the embodiment of what I think groups coming together to kind of address those kinds of questions as neighborhoods and as collectives can do. Because that's another way to think about it. You can throw a party. This is always a kind of animating to me and get some of your best pals together and say, hey, guys, what do we want to do together that might be, you know, beneficial to our community? Sometimes in palship, there is impetus that doesn't exist in the sole individual mulling what they want to do with their life. And I'm a kind of a great believer in that. So, you know, throw a party, but make it to an end. I like parties. after COVID. After after COVID, after COVID, yes. If well, there ever is, I, I tell you what, I, I think there will be an after, or at least a a, yeah, a way to deal with it. But yeah. once there is an after COVID, Dan and I are coming out to LA, fabulous, and, and we're going to volunteer at Hofoco, yep. fabulous. And if we that means we have to make a fruit salad, that's fine. But just know that we're coming for your chair. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. Oh, my, my board chair. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> and, and, and also, John, on a personal note, um, 
having you on the show a couple months ago was great. We got to talk to you for the first time, really. I mean, I met you out in Hollywood a few years ago, but we really got to talk to you. Then we got involved in this. And one of the things for me, and I'm probably speaking for Bill as well, one of the, the best things that came out about all of this was a tremendous friendship has, has blossomed between myself and Bill and you. And that's a, a great thing. It's been great to get to know you. It's been great to help out. It's been great for to, to I know work what you're, with I know what you're, I know what you're angry. And send checks to. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing because you're not nearly the a-hole everyone says you are. I know. I know I'm not. I say that to everybody. I say that, I remind my wife of that almost every day. It's like, honey, I'm not the a-hole that you think I am. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I really <laughs> like you to stop sending those emails out. <laughs> now I'm going to tell the story of my wife because I don't think she can hear me because we were we were having we had a friend over the other night and we were having cocktails and she was telling a story and I make fun of my wife because sometimes her story is sort of like back in 1893 when the cotton mill was invented it's like <laughs> so she's starting to tell her story and I I start to interrupt and she said John for what and my my I Tawny and I both went. For once, you were about to say, for once, would you? It's like, uh, ever since now, I will have that for the rest of my life. Anytime you catch your spouse saying, for once, <laughs> you know that it's like, weapon. <laughs> for once, would you Put shut that in my back up? pocket right for now? For once, would you? I, I say that to Dan, I think almost once a day. Um, yes, I think he does too. For, for once, would you just shut your mouth? You know, for one, for once, for once, yeah. that's a, that's a, and I, and I was totally, I, she also got me back because uh, she, a couple of days before that, I said something along the lines, well, I was like, I, I mean, I know we both, you know, hate some things about the other. She went, hate, hate, that's a strong word. And I went, yes, I mean it to come out that way. So how's the sofa these days? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, the wonderful thing about being married for anybody, I mean, I, I adore my wife We've been together for ages and ages. The wonderful thing about marriage is like when you're, when you're, you know, in your first few years, the things that would kind of lead to this, you know, in later years, it's like, you're too fucking tired. It's like, oh yeah. All right. All right. Let's have a more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like too old to brawl. That's right. Absolutely. Well, man, thank you so much for this incredible uh, adventure that we've been on. I look forward to Trek Talks 2, The Wrath of JB. That'll be pretty awesome. Um, and uh, and we look forward to seeing how okay, so much more money we raise. Who, yes. Who are our who? Because Brent Spiner. Yeah. I'm going to tell me. this story about Brent Spiner. Brent yes. Spiner, I got a little I got a little instant message from Brent Spiner. It's like, why wasn't I invited? I was like, wait, because he didn't answer emails, motherfucker. <laughs> You're on for next year. You're on the list. So Brent Spiner's coming next year. Mm -hmm. Who else do we feel like got to have? Next All right. Time? Well, you know what? Jeffrey Combs never got back to you, and he's one of my heroes. So he better get back in touch with you okay. for next time. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, 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 was shooting, he was shooting. He was shooting a movie. So okay. Oh, he was? So okay. That's yeah. allowed. Okay. Casey Biggs. <laughs> who else? Well, you know, if, if Spiner's actually going to show up. Um, yeah. He, he owes us. Oh, he's so, up. so now he's got to bring Sir Patrick Stewart to the table. Oh, I can tell my Sir Patrick Stewart story. Because um, if, if we're going to try to surpass 75K, um, we're going to want uh, Jean-Luc Picard to help us out. I think you're right. I I like excellent that. idea. All right. So for those who are watching, there are some goals for next year mm -hmm. that we've just set for ourselves. 
And I yes. know that Kate Mulgrew wanted to be here for this one. So I'm yes. pretty sure we'll be able to get her for next year as well. Could we get on that one? Captains? That would be something. That'd be something. Yes. That would I, be I don't something. know. Do you have Bacula's number? <laughs> <laughs> if we get the rest of those guys, I'll work on Scott. I'll All right. On okay. All right. <laughs> and then, you know, what we should do, we should have a panel, but it should only be like three minutes long. <laughs> Just to. i like it i I like it down (laughs) this is gold gold jerry well dan we have to you know in addition to thanking jerry Mm -hmm. to whom we're very grateful for for being a part of trek talks and to our dear friend john um who we're going to talk to probably next week (laughs) um we have to thank everybody listening for having been a part of of this ride for um, for seven full years. And as we kick off year eight, there are only great things ahead as we continue to promote the ideas of, of Trektivism and, uh, and to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. I got to say, when we started this, we, we, we've talked about doing things to help uh, over the course of the seven years. And we've done a few things. So it's a couple of small things here and there. Of course, we had our discussion with, with Jonathan Frakes last year for, for Feeding America. This one really was was special for me and i'm really looking forward to what we're going to be able to build on after trek talks took place a couple of weeks ago we have some great things planned and and you said it before um we love this uh franchise so much and we have this this thing right here called the microphone which allows us to do good and we're going to do that um, through Trek Geeks and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network in 2022. And I'm really looking forward to the continuing adventure with you, my friend. Likewise, you know, it, it's become, uh, we've, you and I have heard this line for, for years. I mean, we're coming up on, on with 35 of them. The needs of the many outweigh uh, yeah. the needs of the few. Yeah. And never has that been more apparent than in producing this telethon. Mm-hmm. Um, we retired. We, we were running on uh, you know fumes and very little gas, and yet still we moved forward with the telethon because we knew that it was going to directly help people that rely on the Hollywood Food Coalition. Yeah, and that's why that's why it happened. That's why <laughs> that's why we're exhausted, <laughs> <laughs> but happily so because um, uh, absolutely, I, I do it all again in a heartbeat the same way. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that really struck me, man, and, and I'm sure it did for the people who were listening is we didn't get to watch as much of it live because we were doing things in the back room and, and, and so forth, welcoming the guests on. But seeing what Hollywood Food Coalition actually does, being able to watch things like the gentleman who got glasses for the first time, yeah, seeing stuff like that, seeing that it's real and that people are making a difference for those that need the help and are less fortunate, really, really hit me in in a positive way and makes me look forward to doing more good uh because this world needs more good right now. So I'm I'm really proud to be part of this event. I'm proud to be continuing on and doing things uh through the podcast and the network. And uh we got people like John Billingsley and and David Livingston and others who who love what they do to help others as well and it's going to help us uh grow our um our fundraising slash do gooding in the years to come. <laughs> our trektivism there you go <laughs> absolutely by the way david livingston star trek's most prolific director mm-hmm. with 62 directorial 62. credits nobody comes close nuts including the visitor of course include including the visitor yes. so um yes you know some other things that that are really good for you in the interim until there's more trek geeks 
Dan, did you know Five Year Missions getting ready to come out with a live album? What? Yeah. I was, I did not know that. I have not been keeping up on the news. (laughs) That was almost very Carson-esque. I I tried to do that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's going to be happening real soon. I'm excited for it. I mean, every great band puts out a live album, Dan. That's right. And um, it's it's about time that 5YM did that because I'm ready. I need some more 5YM in my life, and I'm yeah. about to get it. So everyone, head on out to 5yearmission.net. Get all the CDs they have right now. You know, uh, year one, them. year two, year three, year four, Spock's Brain, Trouble with Tribbles. Um, and just and get used to it because you know you're going to hear those songs on the live album, mm-hmm. which I think will be downloadable. Oh, I hope um, so. Yeah, but yeah, the media. but well, the media of the other ones, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but get used to those songs because you're going to hear some of these live uh, or on Memorex, I guess, and uh, and it's going to be even better. Five YML. Uh, oh, I'm hashtagging it right now, baby. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, okay. yeah, no, oh, I'll, no I'll, you're, uh, okay, you're terrible. Right. Hashtag. I'll, so I'll, fiveyearmissions.net, <laughs> score yourself some great albums and become huge fans of the band like we are ourselves. Yeah, let me stick to stuff that I am good at. So here we go. You ready? So when does that start? <laughs> so I got to say, dude, Deep Space 9 really hit its stride by the time season 5 opened up, I think. You know, what a great season premiere that was too. You know, the crew of Deep Space 9 needs to expose the changeling infiltrator who's ruling the Klingon Empire, and they figured out that the best way to do that would be to surgically alter their appearance so that they were wearing glasses and have quirky little smiles on their face, all while holding drumsticks and singing songs of glory. It's the season five premiere of Farcalypse Rising, and it sets the stage for an amazing season of Deep Space Nine. You know, I'm almost positive you've used this one before. I have not, my friend. I really? check I check because I was checking for Faith of the Fark and I've used that twice actually, so I didn't use that one. I knew you'd use that one twice yeah. <laughs> when it happened. See, this one's so good that you thought that I had done it before because it's just something that just stays in your brain forever. Right? Hello? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Do you remember I've 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 only ever introduced you the same way twice? That's correct. Yes. Do you I remember think so. how I introduced you? No, I don't remember. I don't really listen to you very I often. I do. <laughs> Dan Davidson, man, myth, Montgomery Ward underwear model. That's right. Yeah. I still have that issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fiveyearmission.net. Go get their albums right now. Don't forget, you two can support the Trek Geeks podcast network by supporting us on Patreon, where you get all kinds of exclusive perks, which we guarantee are going to go out sometime this year. They are going to go out sometime this year. We promise. I'm working on it. You know, things catch up to you, but uh, I do promise, and I do not break my promises. As Bill knows, I've kept every one of them my whole life. Um, Right now, though, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support, and they are the wonderful Vikram Bat, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Alan Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, see a dramatic pause, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> Scratch that up. Just take the last line again. Yep. And the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. Very nice. Thank the you. V- dramatic pa- uh, pause was perfect. I try. 
You know, Dan, we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchant. Oh, wait, I said it wrong, didn't I? That's all right. Lionel Marchand. Yeah. David Hood. I said him. I lost my place on the list. <laughs> So Matt many. McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. The senior producer of Trek Geeks, Dan, is the delightfully delightful Jude Tatman. He's delightfully delightful, and he's also, he might still be tired because he's overseas. He stayed up all night time. to watch that entire live stream. That, my friend, is the senior producer of the Trek Geeks podcast. Jude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> That's what a guy. His Jude, mom, we love his you, buddy. pretty but, awesome, too. <laughs> we love you, buddy, but get some sleep. <laughs> you know, you too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks podcast network, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. You know, Dan, next week, um, we're going to ride the wave of Trektivism and something that I'm kind of like calling in my own head the big give back this year mm -hmm. as we donate a little time to um welcome a very special guest to the show and you can bet your lobes it's going to be a great conversation oh man uh, absolutely you can bet the house on that one man you know we had the chance to quickly chat with this person before the live stream and he truly seems like one of the nicest people on this earth so next week we're going to welcome him to trek geeks now in addition to making his mark in Bef buffy the vampire slayer as principal snyder just to name one show he's been on he's also an accomplished author and along with wife Kitty Swink and Jonathan Frakes, he's heavily involved with PANCAN, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. But for us, we all know and love him as Quark on Deep Space Nine, and we can't wait to welcome the one and only Armin Shimmerman to the show. It's all next time on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, seven years ago when we sat down and <laughs> we kind of crafted in our heads a list of people we'd love to talk to. Um Armin was in my top three. I actually so, made an album cover for him, like in our first like month when we started <laughs> doing the album covers, and it's been in a folder called "unused album covers" for years. <laughs> oh man! Well, in next episode, buddy, which I believe is in two weeks because yeah. of our work schedules, you get to use it. Yeah. On Trek Geeks, uh, looking forward to this one. For more great Star Trek discussion, please. We have an entire network of podcasts that put out so much great content and have so much passion. If you watched the Trek Talks live stream and you saw the pre-show panel mm. with the Sci-Fi Sisters, awesome. they knocked it out of the park. Yep. They set the tone for the entire event and it was fantastic. They've got a podcast. The Divine Treasury, fantastic. Discovering Trek, which right now is looking at Prodigy mm. with Mike and Emily, um, who are getting so much fantastic feedback because they're doing a great job. But really, so many shows, Deep Space Pride, I mean- Everybody's killing it right now, and we hope everybody listens. You know, the best way to find them, get the Trek Geeks mobile app. It's free. It's on your app store. It's on Google Play. And you can find other places by going to trekgeeks.com slash listen. So I got, a, I got a question for you. I just want to back up a second before I give my yeah. tagline. You, we talked about discovering Trek and Prodigy and how great a job they are doing. Let's be honest. Is it both Mike and Emily, or is it just Emily? Let's be honest. Well, Mike is it's clearly both. riding Emily's it coattails. <laughs> 
<laughs> we were we were actually back in the in the in the in the waiting room, so to speak, during the live the green room, the green room, yeah. and we had the Hageman brothers there with Mike McMahon, and they actually pointed out Mike and Emily to us and how much fun they had on that episode with them. So congrats to them. Um, they certainly are doing a fantastic job, and we just like to bust Mike's chops. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. Or blathers. <laughs> <laughs> of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek show, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. I think for the next episode, Dan, there could be a news from treknews.net happening. I'm thinking. It's been a long time. Let's do it. It's been a long time. Let's make sure it happens. For now, this has been episode number 275 of the Trek Geeks podcast. Thank you for listening. Live long and prosper. And do me a favor. Take any spare coconuts that you have and donate them to the Hollywood Food Coalition. I love it. Mm -hmm. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. There we go. Yeah, I'm going to go back again to those people. You're probably not going to hear this, but just let it be known that I look very nice. But if I stood up, you would see a coffee stain. That thus thus prompting me to suggest that I am a a wreck below the tip line. Thus prompting me to say that should be my memoir title. Thus prompting me to suggest I should be a professional memoir title guy. All of that fucking took place before they turned on the audio. Is it it's really like coffee though? Eight billion podcasts, <laughs> but they don't turn on the audio right away. Well, you know, most professional podcast recorders usually wait until the guest is is ready or indicates that they're in a position to start recording. We were trying to respect your artistic integrity. If I'm here, I'm ready. I'm, I show up ready. Chances Camera. are this is going to be going to our Patreon, so they will hear this part. Yeah, oh, no, this will be in the outtake. Oh, all right. Yes, okay. ready. <laughs> Awesome. So a- a- after each of our episodes, there's there's a good five to ten minutes of just um, blather, blather, really, um, and and it's become one of the most popular segments of our show, which leads me to believe maybe we should stop talking about Star Trek. <laughs> I I have been in the forefront of that movement for many many, <laughs> many hours. Every time I do a podcast, it's like the blather to Star Trek quotient is like absurdly out of whack. It's like 98% blather and 2% Star Trek. And even the Star Trek talk is usually blather about Star Trek. So, Yeah, well, in case you weren't aware, John, Star Trek is this TV show created in the 60s. And it's had Star, several Star, spinoffs. Star Trek, as yeah. David is always like, it's Trek. It's Trek. Franchises. Like, well, shit. There was this one show in the early 2000s that really just kind of crapped on the whole franchise and, and killed it. Um, Wounded it.
I, I used to say it killed the franchise. And it turns out all it did was take the franchise out into the back alley and mug it. <laughs> mugging. Shakedown. Shakedown. <laughs> you call yourself a franchise? <laughs> I will rise again. <laughs> that, that UPN took my wallet <laughs> and all my papers and left me bloodied in the alley. Damn, damn that UPN. I don't even have anything for that. That's just, yeah, well, wow. <laughs> I can insult the net. I can insult the networks that no longer exist. There's no chance of them firing me. I was going to say, I mean, uh, UPN and uh, whatever uh, was the WB became the CW, which I, I don't know. Still, I think they're still around. I have nothing but good words for them. Oh yes. my God. What a network. I, you know, <laughs> one quality show after another. What a kiss ass. No bad shows on that network. Yeah, actually, my friend Molly Hagen is on one of the shows, so I, I have oh, to, yeah. to, you know, smooches for Molly. <laughs> Molly Hagen, I adore you. I'm singing the Molly Hagen, I adore you song. Doesn't mean I'm going to watch a TV show. <laughs> Even if it's on for long. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe it'll make it more than four seasons. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I would had a chance to spend a little time with uh, Max. Because we were on a panel together in London last fall, and uh, poor Max, I just dragooned him. I guess he was scheduled to be on the panel, but he just thought it was going to be like a normal panel. It was like, oh boy. I don't really like normal panels. Let's auction. Let's let's ask people to ask embarrassing questions, and I'm going to give the winner this pastry. And and he got into it though because he started talking about how oh yes, you were on the show that only lasted four seasons, and it it allowed us it allowed us to mix it up a little bit. And, uh, Nice. In a fun way. I wish I'd gotten to actually say hi to Max on the uh, He's awesome. On the 15th. I know he is awesome. Yeah. I had the chance to talk to him for like 45 minutes uninterrupted at a convention in New York a few years back. And he was just, we talked about baseball and, and all kinds of stuff. It was no, great. I didn't know he was a baseball fan. He's a big, oh, big baseball time. guy. Yep. Oh, what, he was what's, actually, the, what's his team? I think he's a Mets, uh, Mets fan because we oh, were talking about sod. the 86 World Series with the Red Sox and all that. Uh, and I think he was at game six. Oh, oh, I think. I Game think six. I'm not positive. Yeah. No, no. But we don't talk about that here in the world. So. Billy Buckner. We really yeah. don't rest in peace. And don't yep. Yep. Buck, Buckner never should have been in that game. Nope. No, I know. I nope. know. I know. There's a lot of questionable moves in that game. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. So, so, so on to the business at hand. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'll, you want to do a quick intro, John, uh, John and Bill, and, and then we'll just get sure. into talking about how much fun it was. All right. Literally. bing bong there butt cheese but wow bing bong butt cheese that's that's the name of my new uh band i think bing bong butt well, cheese since we we just talked to billingsley i uh <laughs> wow i don't know it's just it's kind of lingering in the air this this uh, although i used far less expletives than he would have bing bong sweatshirt stain <laughs> anyway i won't even get into that one <laughs> yeah yeah anyway, how are you pal I'm I, I, I'm good, as you know. Um, well, for, for people, it, it's been a while since we've been here. So what about a month, just, yeah, uh, it feels like longer. Quite yeah. frankly, I think it has been a little over a month. Yeah, um, my wife and I welcomed a new rescue dog today. So awesome, um, so beautiful. We weren't sure we were ready, but this dog needs us. Mm-hmm. Um, she she needs a home without kids. She needs a home without other pets. She needs the skills that we developed in loving and caring for Abby. Um, with dealing with, you know, dog reactivity. So we literally were the perfect people for her. 
and she needed a home. And so I, we said, we stepped up and said, we're I, it. I can't wait to meet her. And I will say this, and you and I have talked and I don't want to get emotional because I might. Um, I know exactly how you feel. I went through the same thing. Um, but if you are at the point where you can talk about the possibility of welcoming a new fur baby into your home, then I think you're ready. And it is a testament to your love for Abby. It is continuing your love for Abby. And she will live through your new dog, even though your new dog is all its own and is special and is unique. And I think you're going to love it. Yes. Uh, Isabella is a bundle of energy. <laughs> that tail, man. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> she, she decimated. Uh, was- I should say destroyed because decimated is the wrong word. Um, just by definition, but she destroyed a toy in under five minutes. Yeah. She's a power chewer. That's cool. I mean, we anticipate that all these toys are going to die glorious deaths and that's fine. That tail is like the dark saber um, because it looks like it'll slice through anything when it's going. I know, uh, right? <laughs> it's fantastic. So you have great, that is great news. I'm very glad there's been a lot of bad news lately and everything going on with us and work and everything like that. But you got a new pup. That is at the top. But underneath that, I am very excited to announce that I put a deposit down finally on a Can-Am Spider this week. Midlife crisis mode engage. I have, I have wanted one of these since I first saw them in 2008, and I'm very excited. We decided to go with a used one, and I put a deposit down because I can't really test drive it until the weather gets better. Right. So I said, right. I want you to hold this because I want this one. I want to test drive it. So they put it on hold for me, and when the weather gets better, I'm going to test drive it, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it. <laughs> is it yellow or orange? It is blue, actually. Oh, it is a surprising. very nice. I, well, it was. It's a used one, so I get what I get. Um, it's a. It's an RT touring. It's got all the. You know, it's got it's great comfort seats, and Sue's going to be great back there. Heated handles, and but it's a nice, very vibrant um, blue. And I'll tell you what, uh, the Starfleet logo and the Defiant. Uh, decal and the Trek Geeks logo are going to look mighty fine on that thing. I'm sure they are, especially when you're actually riding, holding onto her. Because let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't think though. I don't think she's going to get the license for it because New Hampshire now has a three wheeled vehicle license. Of course, they and do. she's not going to. She, don't, I don't think she's going to get it. So it'll just be me riding it. So, so are you going to do something special for your helmet? Oh, probably. Yeah. I got to decide what I want to get for a helmet. Of course, we're talking about we're going to get Bluetooth ones so we can connect, so we can talk to each other when we're riding. But then I got to decide how I'm going to, you know, spruce it up with with Starfleet Custom paint job. Yeah, absolutely. That will happen eventually. I'm not sure if it'll happen right away, but it'll happen. Even if I just put, for the time being, just put some decals on it, I'll do that. It's yeah. just, to, you know, just to spruce it up. I think a custom airbrush paint job would be amazing. I think it would be great. I'm, I'm very excited. I can't wait for spring to get here so I can try riding that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be if we ever go back to the office, which I hope we never do. Um, I'll be riding down the highway in the spring and summer. You know, it, it's amazing. It's a good thing it has three wheels because I've seen you try to balance. Huh. It's I, not I have, pretty. I have driven a motorcycle before, um, and I was okay. Um, but that was also a long time ago. <laughs> you were also a young man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're not now. Not at all. Nope. So, uh, so yeah. So two very exciting things. Of course, you know, welcoming a new dog is is just like off the charts. Um, so, and I can't wait to come over there and meet her in the very near future. But uh, I can't wait for the spring so I can try riding this thing. It's got all kinds of storage space and everything. It's really, That's I'm really cool. impressed by it. Yeah. It's a 2018 and it only had uh, 5,000 miles on it. So. Wow, so it's only driven by a grandma to and from church on Sunday, apparently. Yeah. 
I don't. You know what? I don't even care if there's still plastic on the seats. <laughs> well, that'd be good with your bladder control problems. Uh, you'll probably need it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God! Wow. I haven't, I, why haven't I missed this? I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I um. It's a little weird to be back. I mean, because of the last two months. Have really been kind of a blur for oh us. Oh my god! Yeah, they really we, we have. talked about this a little bit at the at the top of the show, but um, our employer has been recovering from a massive ransomware attack, mm-hmm. and you and I have put in a lot of long days. Um, I think seven straight weeks worth of of work. Yeah, uh, long long days, somewhere in the area of of between ten and fourteen hours a day, mm-hmm. with very little if any time off. And you and I have been. Really kind of burnt to a crisp. Yeah, that plus the uh, plus the live stream preparation and the live yeah. stream itself. And and I got to say, in, in addition to just the hours, the frustration with, with things at work are just like off the chart right now. I mean, I am just so... Oh, I don't even, I don't want to get into it here on the podcast, but it, it sucks. It, and it, and I can't wait for this thing to be behind us because I want to get a semblance of a job that I enjoy again. Cause right now it's really no fun at all. Yeah. I remember, you know, one day as a younger man thinking, I wish I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And now here I am in my fifties saying, I wish I knew what I wanted to be when yeah. I grow up. Yeah. Um, because that would make this whole lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I um I talked about it in the in the in the fan set spot earlier, but I wanted to show you. I actually got two galt pins <laughs> because one's galt and one's me. <laughs> no, I, no, they're both Joseph Ruskin. I can see it right there. <laughs> they, I, I love this pin so much; it's my favorite pin. What you really need now is a galt pin on a Can-Am Spider, oh. or I mean, a pin of you as galt on a Can-Am. Yes. I am, more appropriately stated. I am I am going to start working on that right now. I'm going to go talk to our people and get that done. Yeah, our people? Because that's you, fantastic. We're going to go talk to our sponsor. <laughs> that's what I mean, our people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, suffice it to say, it's it's been, it's been a long, hard couple of months, everybody. And we're sorry that we've been away MIA. for so long. Yeah. Um, life gets in the way and everybody's been so incredibly supportive. Um, that, the pandemic caught up to us, work caught up to us, life caught up to us and in a big way all around. And everybody online, you know, in our Patreon, on, on Discord, on on social media, and Camp Kittimer, everybody has been so amazingly supportive that, you know, I am incredibly grateful because it would be really easy for people to go, eh, they're not putting episodes out anymore. Yeah. Screw it. Yeah. No, that's definitely that's definitely not the case. We definitely have wanted to, but like you said, so many things have caught up. And 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 on that note, back in the middle of December, I was in um, talks with the person who does our shirts for new shirts, ready to pull the pl- ready not to pull a plug to, to to press the button on ordering a whole bunch of stuff for our Patreons. And then everything happened with the ransomware attack. I actually emailed her yesterday and said, "I'm so sorry, but here's what's going on. I will get in touch with you when I can." So we are ready to get the stuff ordered. Now it's just a question of being able to have the time to order it and also make sure that they still have the supply because there's been supply problems. So Patreon people, we appreciate the support as always. And uh, and the stuff is is coming. I, pro- I I've been promising it for a year and I'm really sorry, but it really is coming. <laughs> yeah. As we hit now seven years of Trek Geeks and three years of the Trek Geeks podcast network mm-hmm. and support through Patreon, our, our gratitude really knows no bounds. And we're going to do our best to, to make 2022 a year where- we highlight you guys and appreciate you even more. 
um, because you're at the core of everything we do. So, Absolutely. I mean, everyone who listens really is, is at the core of everything we do, but our patrons, uh, enable us to have an entire network and that's not lost on us every single day. Nope, not at all. It's something that I appreciate every day when I get to get on discord and, and say hi to everybody in the conversation and, and, and on camp Kittimer, the love that they're, they're sending our way and telling us to hang in there and, and we support you. It's, it's awesome. And it's, it's subtle. It's sort of like the response that we got with this live stream. It was just something that I never expected. And I'm very grateful and thankful. Absolutely. Well, um, what do you say? We, uh, we record an episode. Uh, wow. How do we do that? I think I forgot. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think it's this button here. Coconut. <laughs>